welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. Nigel, you all right? Very well. Yeah, very well. How are you? You all right? Good. Yes, very well indeed. Thank you. Yeah, very well. Good. Autumn's setting in. Yeah, it's getting a bit uh, bit chilly out there, isn't it? I think the heating's on now. So. There's only so many sets of jumpers you can put on, isn't there? So eventually... Yeah, my, uh, my fleece on this morning, that's for sure. <laughs> So we're going to be talking about uh, raising private capital this morning, amongst lots of other topical issues. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a it's a parallel requirement, Mark, isn't it? You know, it's not only finding the opportunity, the deal, the DD. You know, that raising private capital has got to be as a parallel strategy. Otherwise, they won't align. You know, and you'll get the deal, and then all of a sudden you're trying to trying to raise a private capital. <clears throat> so yeah, definitely hugely important. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's that chicken and the egg question that we get asked a lot, isn't it? What comes first? Is it finding the deal or finding the money? And the reality is it, it starts way before that. And you, as you say, you've got to run them both in parallel. Um, yeah. I don't think we've ever been able to time a deal coming at a certain time with money landing at a certain time. You just never know where they're going to come. So you've got to have the, the hoppers of both as, as full as possible. Absolutely. Morning, Philip. Hope you're well. Morning, Phil. So we've got uh, morning, Simon. Morning, Scott. Hope you're well. Uh, Tamas, Tony, Ryan, Paul, Marcus, Mark, Gary. Other Gary. Oh, Gary. Welcome from the north, Manchester. Yeah, we've got lots of people, lots of people joining. Um, so we'll just wait. Uh, in fact, they're coming in thick and fast. So we'll we'll just uh, before we go into the main sort of subjects, um, mm. we'll, we'll just catch up on a on a couple of pieces. So um, yeah, what's uh, what's been going on? Well, I've been in self isolation for the for the last uh, mm-hmm. seven or eight days. You know, eldest got got tested with uh, uh, COVID. So tell you what, really brings it brings it home when it, when it kind of lands on your doorstep and I have to say um Sharon was in hysterics watching me have the the COVID test the other day um <laughs> gag reflexes are, are working fine to be honest so we're just waiting for the results but um all fine symptoms no symptoms or anything um but it uh you can either your glass is either half full or half empty and yeah, for the last twenty odd years that we've known each other, Nige, I think you know both of our glasses are, are always half full, aren't they? It's just the way we're uh, the, the way we're uh, sort of bred, I suppose. Um, and so I've used that time to just punch over the line the the final manuscript um, for my next book. And let me just show you for those who voted. I put the three options of the books out there on social media, and. Uh, yeah, I had a particular favourite, and once again, um, massive help from everybody. So this is the version, whether you did A, B, or C. This is the version 
Oh, not that. This is the version that uh, we went with. Let's find it here. No, not that one. When am I um, mastering this technology, Nigel, did you say? <laughs> You're still going through your apprenticeship, aren't you, at the moment? I, I think I must have been. Absolutely shocking. Oh, I'll, I'll find it later. I'll find it later. Um but it was the it was the brown one for everybody uh, who who really has any remote interest in it whatsoever. Oh, it doesn't come up. Anyway, never mind, never mind. We'll work it out later. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, quite interesting. Anyway, we are rambling a little bit. Um, oh, did I mean the gold one? Yeah, I did mean the gold or bronze, bronze gold, Gareth. That's uh, that's absolutely right. Number three, C or something, was it? It was, see, yeah. And lots of case studies from people as well. So it's always great to see, and Gareth's one of them, great to see wonderful people, wonderful families with their SaaS and with their, their properties, um, you know, really making a, making a difference. So, um, so, yeah, looking forward to uh, uh, getting that over the line. And uh, somebody mentioned um, last week in one of the questions, um, just, just actually the power of, of sleep, so here's a little tip for you. Um, on my app, um, it's called Sleep Cycle. So without sleep, I think most of us are absolutely knackered. We're, we're, we're dead in the water. So this app, um, you can see there, Sleep Cycle. Um, you set your alarm clock and it measures your breathing, your, or, you know, listens to your breathing through the phone microphone and your kind of biorhythms and, and things. And then it tells you what the quality of your, your sleep is. So there we go. Last night I had 100% sleep and that's the, the kind of profile of it. But it's really interesting. And if you have a few drinks, you'll see how your sleep maybe deteriorates in my case. Um, so there you go. That will help you along the line. We, we focus on what we're doing when we're awake. But let's see what, what we're doing when we're awake affects how we sleep and therefore our productivity the, the next day. So it's all those little little tweaks and, and effects. Okay, so oh, we've got loads of people on. Um, hope you've all got your porridge and your cups of tea or uh, I'm trying to lose a bit of weight at the moment, so I'm on the, the, the green tea. Nigel's probably rolling his eyes because he's heard that from me so many times in the past. Coffee. Nice shot of coffee. <laughs> so, raising private capital. Um, it's probably the most tricky subject for most people to get their head around because it's nobody likes to take money from, from people. Um, and it's a, it's a real mindset uh, shift for, for people. So, um, with our mentees, it's, it's something that we spend a lot of time. I mean, you mentioned the two hoppers, Nigel. You spend a lot of time focusing on um, curating those right relationships with agents and others and identifying which asset class is, is right for somebody's personal plan. Um, uh, and that's hugely important. That focuses on that hopper. And I spend a lot of time looking at the what the requirements are for that type of strategy. Um, I mean, if you're looking for five by to let's over the next five years or 
10 HMOs or, you know, one HMO a month or one HMO a year, it doesn't matter what scale or commercial conversions. Um, it's very easy to over-assess the amount of private capital that you actually need um, because you've got to put that on, on the timeline. If you're doing one buy-to-let, one HMO, one commercial conversion each year, you know, you'll only need a certain amount of capital and you can recycle a lot of that private capital from one to the other. But always make sure you calculate the money that's left into the deal. And this is where the, the Equidea is, is so intrinsically important, Nigel, isn't it? I mean, you've built into the Equidea um, all the principles of raising, raising private capital and the requirements. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, multiple exits as well. So as, as well as, um, you know, the sale of an asset being clearly a, an exit strategy, and that, that's absolutely fine. But if, if there's a view to potentially hold, let's say, as a second exit, you know, the analyzer can just assess, you know, the amount of money potentially that's, that's left in. Or, or maybe, you know, let's say as, as a commercial conversion that converts into 10 units, let's say, it will tell you how many units you need to sell to, to liberate those funds to pay back the money left in and therefore have a, have a kind of a zero money left in uh, kind of approach. So, yeah, it's, it's really, really important. And, you know, again, starting with the end in mind is, is really key. And, and indeed, can you refinance? You know, can you actually refinance? And this is where the checks and balances around the asset class and where it is, what it is. You know, was, we, we were having some conversations yesterday about an asset being above a, you know, potentially a kebab shop, you know. So therefore, would those residential units, could, could they be refinanced, question mark? You know, so it's, it's really important to almost live the entire life, albeit theoretically at this stage. But just to make sure that, you know, we've checked in with all the various parties, you know, the, the residential brokers, the commercial brokers, just to ensure that going into a deal, you can clearly define your exit or coming out of the deal. But uh, yeah, money left in is key. Otherwise, it's, it becomes an investment strategy. If, it's, if you leave a single pound in, you know, that pound will have a return. Um, but you can be up to tens, hundreds of thousands of pounds potentially. So it's, it's just eyes wide open, really. Hmm. So knowing the knowing the right amount of capital that you need in the first place before you go into your fundraise, um, and that's a question for for investors. I mean, we're investors, Nigel, aren't we? In fact, we've just made a an investment. We can't talk about it, but an investment into a you know a high tech uh, business, which is an interesting foray uh, for us. Um, but that due diligence is so important. Um, asking. Asking whether somebody is asking for the right amount of money, you can't. Your worst case scenario, really, is uh, as a private investor putting putting the private investor's hat on, is if the business runs out of cash, you know, then then you're going to be um, you know diluted with another fundraise or or potentially lose everything um, if it goes bust. So, um, and it's always healthy to to look at worst case scenarios, you know, and ask the ask the tough questions in the good times. So is the private is, is the developer in this case is is the developer asking for the right amount of money? They might want to ask for a little bit more to give that cash flow buffer, um, and that's what the DA helps you do. It helps you get to the right number. It cash flow profiles things, so you can set that uh, de minimis level of a thousand pounds, five thousand, twenty thousand pounds in the bank account. Mm. Um, 
because that that is your working capital. Um, the uh, the banks will only allow you to draw down certain amounts. Um, you call those uh, allowables, Nigel? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we quote, don't we, that the you know the development finance company or the bank will will fund a hundred or wants to fund a hundred percent of the development, which is absolutely true. But the reality is, it only wants to fund a hundred percent of the allowable costs in the development. So. And unfortunately, um, lender to lender to lender, they all have a different definition of allowable costs. So again, it's you know it's it's the DD just to make sure that you know those costs are allowable or they're not allowable. If they're not allowable, um, they need to fall into the the camp of the private uh, investment raise. If they are allowable, they can clearly stay in the. Um, you know the allowable cost section for the uh, um, the, the financier or the development finance company to to support. So it's really understanding, but um, you know that's really the nitty gritty kind of thing. You know when you when you're analysing a deal for the first time, you don't really need to understand. All you need to understand is or make sure you've got all the costs in. You know just so you can kind of get to the point where you understand the profitability of the deal and hopefully strive towards getting that that yes um you know after an offer is put in but uh, as soon as you get the yes then there's kind of an, a next phase of due diligence which is you know as i say tapping into the uh, the lender of choice and just understanding you know within their policies what is allowable and what isn't allowable and then just sort of rotating the costs around in the da so that we can be very specific in terms of what the private capital requirement is and be very assured as to what will be covered by the uh, development finance company. Definitely, definitely. So what we've created, um, not not to create anything specific, but it's just what we've fallen into over many, many years. And we've raised in our business over the last about four years, about 22, 23 million pounds of private capital, um, which is, it's all relative. Um, in your strategy, you might be looking to raise £50,000, £100,000. The same principles apply. Same principles apply. Uh, if you're trying to raise £20,000, £25,000 for the first time, it's pretty scary numbers, you know, trying to, you know, approach somebody or, or even open out that conversation. So we created a, a, a model uh, which has been synonymous with 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 our success in in raising that private capital. We call it the promised model. So if you write down your sheet of paper, write down promised uh, down the left hand side. Now the I'll just skip very quickly through them. Um, then you've got the the model, and then what we'll do is we'll go through. We'll probably get through three or four of them uh, this week, and I'm sure we'll be into um, uh, part two next week. So uh, the P uh, stands for process, the R stands for returns, the O stands for options, not the options that you're thinking, the M stands for model, the I stands for investable, the S is security, the E is engagement and the D is draw and not the type of drawing that you're thinking of either. So we've got a few surprises here, but they, they work extremely effectively. So um, 
the first bit of advice that I would I would give you, and this is from the heart, to be honest, is decide what type of life you want to live. Um, when you go and have meetings with people, coffees, I've heard people say, you know, be laser-like clear what you're trying to achieve. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's not kind of the life I want to leave of going to, going to meet people and immediately expecting or hoping that they're going to be private investors. You know, take the blinkers off and enjoy meeting wonderful people. So I never, ever have a meeting with a potential private investor, ever. Uh, I have a meeting with a fellow member of the human race and have a chat, get to know them, get to know what they do. And it might be, you know, in the past, um, these meetings have ended up being with joint venture partners um, or or we've got some area of interest um, and maybe we've become really great friends and maybe private investment has never even come on the radar. Uh, which is just fine. You know, that's that's a great way to to be able to live your your life. So, um, just go and have a chat with people and see if you resonate. Um, I can think of a time not too long ago, Nigel, about three years ago, when uh, at a time when it would have been very handy, um, somebody offered us, I think it's around about four hundred thousand, just under half a million of private investment, wasn't it? Yep. And. Uh, yeah, you know, that would have been ideal. The the terms were, were were fine, but we just got just got a feeling. You know, the feeling in your gut um, where something doesn't quite stack up, the fit isn't quite right. Um, so, as a, a potential private investor, um, we asked uh, we asked the person, um, you know, what their what their thoughts were on the development. And as it turned out in that conversation, um, they wanted to have a key part in the in the project. And of course, I'd like to be involved in the sign-off of all the design phases, was one of the comments, alarm bell goes on. Um, and so as that conversation uh, sort of matured over, over the course of the coffee, um, it turns out that uh, the, the person wanted to sign off each of the fundamental design phases um, I asked him what what turnaround he would expect. He said, "Well, I'm a, I'm a busy guy, but you know, seven to ten days would would seem reasonable. Would would that seem reasonable to you? You know, and I think you've got to understand what your what your model is. We weren't looking for a partner like that. You know, be be absolutely honest in in what you what you want in your economic equation. Um, so, uh, uh, and and I guess we've. We've, we're time served in the diplomatic corps as well. So um, whilst the, the person never heard a no from us, we decided that fit wasn't there. You know, we didn't want somebody who was helping us design the uh, the colour scheme on the wall or the architrave skirting board or, or what type of doors are going on the front of the apartments. Um, so clearly that was, uh, we, we didn't need a, a JV design partner there. Um, so we declined it. We we declined nearly half a million pounds of private investment uh, because the fit wasn't there. So knowing where your North Star is, knowing what you're trying to achieve is so fundamentally important. You know, I think we've we've all maybe employed people in the past and, and wish we'd hadn't uh, wish we hadn't. Um and it's a it's a real pain. Um you know, to, to unwind the process. Uh, and likewise, um, if you if you jump into bed with anybody, you know, it's, it's a pain to unwind. So, um, yeah, so that's the first bit of advice. 
you know, meet people uh, who are, and find out if they're great people, if they resonate with you. If they don't, then that's absolutely fine. You know, just have lots of meetings or, or Zoom meetings and just see if there's a, a connection there. But don't focus on private investment. Focus on getting to know them um, because you you may miss out on, on other opportunities. So that's the, that's the first thing. Um, also want to mention compliance. Um, we're not in retail investment. I'm going to assume for the purposes of this conversation um, that you're not uh, FCA uh, registered. Um, if you're FCA compliant and involved in retail investment schemes, then different rules apply to a certain extent. Um, but the same philosophies are, are still there um, about what you what you need to achieve. Um, incidentally, if you go into the uh, Q&A box, if you've got any questions, we'll leave some time at the, at the end just to uh, maybe pick a, a couple of the questions. So drop in the Q&A, uh, any questions you might have, we'll leave, pick them up next week, uh, this week or next week. So the P, what does this P stand for? So the P is process. Um, you're going to need a process. Um, imagine you get to a point where you're, uh, private investment um, has said yes, okay, would like to, um, then you need a, a verification and compliance process um, to put in place. And that's going to be a process that engages with the with the investor, checks everything's fine, make sure they're happy with the arrangement, you're happy with the arrangement, and the paperwork flows, okay? There's a system and a process. And, and that will start even before a yes, um, if you're anything like me, you know, it's uh, you have that many conversations, that many meetings that you do need to put down pen to paper or on a, on, on a record somewhere, a CRM system or an Excel spreadsheet, just some notes to keep, to keep current, give yourself reminders. Um, I've uh, had conversations with investors in the past where they said, we'd love to do something, Mark, um, you know, let's uh, let, let's put in a coffee for for six months time. You know, my I'm all invested at the moment, but I do get my investment back in in February. So maybe we have a chat in December or January. See what you've got coming up, and then I can line when my investment becomes liquid again, and and then we can talk about doing something. Um, so you need to record these these notes um, because the more people you speak to the more, quite frankly, you'll, you'll let slip through the net that, that important information there. Um, so, so promised, you need a process. So what's going to be involved in that process? Well, it must be, must be compliance, okay? You want to make sure that you're keeping the investor experience on moral high ground. Um, you're keeping it uh, compliant to rules, and um, something that not only you can put your head on the pillow and sleep easy at night, but also your investor can as well. I'm guessing nobody wants to uh, attract private investment or, or have private investors, uh, you know, for the sake of losing sleep. You know, I mentioned the sleep app earlier on. It wasn't uh, coincidental. Um, you need to have a good night's sleep. You can't function in the day without it. Uh, and I don't want to be putting my head on the pillow at night, fretting and worrying about oh, what's going to happen here. You know, there's enough concerns in life that, that we all have in our, in our lives without adding to it. So it's got to feel right. So the type of processes, so think uh, KYC, 
Um, it's used in the legal profession and accountancy profession a lot. Know your customer. Um, so what's included in KYC? Um, you're going to be looking for the uh, name, rank and, and serial number um, of, uh, uh, of the party that you're, you're doing business with. Are they the real deal? Um, you have to go through these checks. Um, you've got to decide whether the funds that, uh, if these funds are going to go um, from the investor into your company account, or are they going to go from your investor into your solicitor's client account? Well, if they go anywhere near your solicitor's client account, then you absolutely must involve your solicitor in this. Not only will you need to run KYC, they will need that as well. Now, imagine sitting with somebody and they you got to the point of, yes, we'd like to, have, uh, we'd like to invest in your business. Uh, imagine saying, well, can you send me your, your bank account for proof of funds? It's quite a personal question. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I'd like to give my bank account to anybody who asks for it, um, a, a statement. Um, so just have a think on how you'd manage that process. If I turn that answer around and said, okay, I'll, I'll introduce to my solicitor, and then you can have that conversation with my solicitor, and no doubt they'll be asking for some anti-money laundering information, proof of funds. It's a very different ring, a very different tone and it, it spanks of professionalism rather than opportunism. And that's what we're trying to create here, a very robust system that gives assurance and comfort to the investor uh, as well as to, uh, to, the, to, to the borrower as well. So that's, that's really important and, and something that, uh, uh, again, it will be part of your model and we'll talk about your, your model, your economic equation a, a little bit later on. So the process, know your customer, um, the anti-money laundering process um, is, is really, really quite important. But I hear you say the process, that's when somebody's actually engaged. How on earth do I actually find people um, to even begin to have the conversation with? You know, I'm, I'm nervous about this. You know, who do I, who do I speak to? Um, okay, so... We need to work with you on how you can create a profile, how people can understand what you do. And I'm not talking about what you do, but what you really do, the story behind who you are. Um, and it will attract interest. So Nigel and I died in the wool corporate guys who had spent 25, 26 years in, in corporate life, you know, all, all around, around the world doing, doing lots of Great stuff. Um, so imagine when we left corporate life, there's not there was a few eyebrows raised, weren't there? Oh, you're leaving. Really? Where are you going to? Or not? We're going to set up our own businesses. Really? You know, it, it, that, that intrigue, that surprise. So um, if you're going somewhere, well, that's just intrigue. If you're going to set up your own businesses and create a really powerful multi-generational legacy for your family, all of a sudden you've got people thinking, oh, I'll tell you what, that resonates. I wouldn't mind doing that myself, but I don't think I could. So, you know, what are you doing? How are you going to do that? So you're creating that, that fascination just by uh, telling people what you've done. And that was, uh, 
that was a, a, a well, lots of coffees just off the back of that. And that wasn't by design. That was just being genuine, honest, talking about the journey, being honest with, um, uh, with those people that we're meeting that look, we haven't got it all worked out. You know, that start with version one to get to version 10. Sometimes you've just got to set out there, uh, know roughly where that destination is with, with as much clarity as you possibly can. But you can't even begin to uh, understand every twist and turn of the journey ahead. You've just got to get on the bike and start pedaling and, uh, and know that you're broadly in the right direction. Um, and that that's becomes quite intoxicating. That draws people in to who you are. Um, so talk about what you are, where you're going. Um, I mean, our passion for commercial property. Um, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday, actually, um, and this puts a different context to it. If we did a poll, and we've done the poll on this uh, call before, if you do a poll... Uh, and most people are interested in commercial to residential conversions. Not everybody, but small shops with uppers, that type of thing. Um, we are close to finishing a development called Zurich House. So Zurich House is about 24,000 square feet, B1A. We got permitted development and we put on an additional floor with full planning. Um, but when we first acquired that building, it was in a terrible state. The structure was solid, but we pulled out the 1,500 hypodermic needles and all this drug paraphernalia that you've heard us talk about before. There were squatters in there and vagrants and people who are really down on their luck. And we don't judge, you know, that's, uh, it was very, very sad. So we, we've done a great job in, in turning that into a phenomenal building. So if I show you a pile of drug needles and then show you the CGIs of what this new development is going to look like, you know, it, it really is fantastic. But if you take a step back, we haven't solved the problem. We've solved the problem for the building, but we've moved the problem, the societal problem on. We've just moved it somewhere elsewhere into the, into the town. And I'm being a little bit harsh on us here, um, but if you put that into your ecosystem of what you're doing and where, are you just moving the problem elsewhere? And that's in part why Nigel and I invested uh, heavily with, with two other great guys, so Richard Kennedy and David Ball, and created Cornerstone Place. Um, and I, I align it, I guess, similar to carbon offsetting. You know, were we going to set up a hostel to rehouse drug rehabilitation unit in Crawley. Well, that's just too specific and we weren't able to do that. But if we can create an organisation, and we are in the process, that can create um, savings to society in the tens and tens and, uh, of millions and alleviate homelessness for thousands of people, you know, we're looking to create you know, millions of homeless bed nights um, each year which just be absolutely phenomenal. Um, so just be careful which problems you're trying to solve and, and with, with, with which. But that's, that's a story. That's, that's the investment structure uh, that we have. And our investors get that. You know, um, I guess the, the profile for investors um, would be late 30s to mid 50s maybe. Maybe maybe late late fifties. That would be the bell curve. You know, the eighty percent would fit within those 
Um, so many of the investors are uh, have got kids, got families. Some of them have got uh, uh, grandkids. Um, so immediately, if I'm having a coffee, immediately we've got something in common. You know, between Nigel and I, we've got we've got eight children. Well, not between us, you know what I mean, in our separate families, four each. Um, so we literally have got a full house there. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. You see that, that resonance and um, talking to potential private investors uh, who have expressed an interest, that's what they're doing it for. They, they're quite often doing it for that legacy. Um, for the future so have it just have a think on what resonates when we did the ad, the book advice to your younger self um that was phenomenal because it, it related people to to their younger self and what they wish they'd learned all those uh, that little bit of advice that we were uh, given and we often get uh, get people referring to to that book um and people are now investing in assets, creating investment plans to help their, their, their kids. So going back to the process, it's the process of onboarding people, um, attracting people. Think of, uh, we call them mini assets. Think of mini assets that you can invest in um, that will become pretty evergreen. Um, I mean, so I did a, an article for the Blue Bricks magazine this week. Um, GQ next. Um, but you know that gives you a uh, that that gives you by doing that article is a six page article. It's a great magazine actually. If you haven't had a look at it, um, have a look at it. Um, but that that article now is a nice PDF. Um, those great people at Blue Bricks, you know they 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 like the um, you know it's a subscription model and um, there's so much information there. So if you don't know the Caroline Monks and the people there, you know subscribe to it. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but that creates a nice article that will be there forever now. We can use that in social media. It becomes a mini asset. It might be a small model. You've seen uh, the great work that uh, that our SAS did with Portal Precinct. You know, that created a model, an investable model, which is now rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. We're about to do our, our next one in, in that model. Um, so becoming synonymous with, with certain information. So write down the list of the, of the mini assets, the points of reference that you can have. It could be doing work, your story, it could be working uh, with youngsters, could be a website, could be a podcast. It could just be a single image. Um, a process flow. Um, many of our mentees, one of the first things they do is is uh, create um, a brochure, a brochure for what they're trying to achieve. And the, the cathartic journey that they go through um, of understanding, okay, well, what is my story? What am I try- trying to achieve? What is my model? They go through the, the promise model, to be honest, because you've got to understand what you're actually trying to achieve who, who is your target market? You're going to put all that spend into creating a website, into a brochure. Who's it for? Mm. And you, you've got to be brutally honest with yourself. We, we debate this, don't we, Nigel, in terms of our return on time employed on various elements. Mm. You know, if it's, for, if it's to attract investors, just be brutally honest with yourself and say, okay, that's what it's for. It might be for commercial agents and the banks as well. Might have different purposes, but 
if your core drive is you know, it's to attract private investors, then, then, then write it as such. But do make sure you are compliant with uh, FCA and, and the like. So that's P for, for process. There's a process there. Um, second, R, I'm conscious of time, R, we might run into a third week, this one, Nigel. Um, so R is returns. Understanding what type of returns um, you're looking for. Now, this is where your economic equation comes in. Because what type of returns? Who's the priority here? Is it the investors or is it you? That's a really provocative question, isn't it? And the reality is they're both, obviously, you're both a top priority. But before you have investors on board, you've got to look at why you're doing it. Why are you raising money? What's your economic equation? Why are you doing a commercial conversion? Why are you investing in a commercial property? Um, what's, the, what's the resonance and what are you trying to achieve? Nobody ever came out the womb looking for commercial property or property, ever. You know, it's what property gives you that we're, we're seeking, you know, that freedom of choices. So, so people generally want two things, don't they? They want more time and more money. That's what, that really are the, the, the two, two parts. So, I think I think also, Mark, um, it's worth worth mentioning, you know, we, we peaked on the point earlier about understanding the end the end goal really and if it is let, let's say it is a, a buy develop and hold type approach or it is a hmo that you know you're going to leave some money in and those sorts of things you might be a slightly different type of investor that you're approaching it might be a, a party that you know is happy to to go into the deal maybe on a certain rate or a you know a share distribution or whatever it may may look like but actually is really, really excited about possibly a long-term investment, you know, up to, up to five years potentially. And that's, that's kind of the golden nugget, you know, to, to align somebody that is only in there for 12 months, say, um, on a strategy that actually could take you five years to extract that capital is a slight misalignment. And what you'll find is you're either dumping your own money in or you're having to <coughs> debt swap, you know, at the point of refinancing. So it's it's understanding that journey, what people do want. And, you know, we come across it quite a bit, don't we? People chase these 8 to 12%, you know, returns, which which is fine. I mean, that's absolutely fine. But that's an annualized return. So if if in the event there's a situation whereby, you know, you pay their capital back and you pay their interest and it takes them another six months to kind of deploy the funds again, you know, the aggregate is kind of halving their return, isn't it? Because there's money sat in the bank doing absolutely nothing for six months. So, you know, to talk to people in those terms, if, if their strategy is to have constant deployment, you know, they may consider you know, a lesser or a smaller rate for the long term because they've got a surety and security around that that period and knowing that they're going to get a return over that over that term. So really important. End in mind again, isn't it? De- definitely, definitely. So it's working out your economic equation. Why are you raising money? What are what are you able to raise money? You know, as you know, Nigel's uh, just released the equity A to our mentees for a a buy and hold strategy. So if you're buying and holding and you're looking to do a 50-50 profit share with investors, 
uh, and then then refinance. But 50% of the profits or 50% of the equity goes back to the investors. That's going to be very difficult to hold that that unit. So again, start with the end in mind. You know, that's probably going to be a debt model. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never you never really want to say no to somebody who's interested in investing. So if 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 somebody was interested in investing in in your business and all you've got available, I say all you've got available, you've got one option, and that's a profit share. 50-50 profit share. But I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in in the assurity, the assurance of debt. I'm just happy with a fixed interest loan note uh, paid annually. Um, then, okay, you haven't got anything for me. I'm, I'm gone. So if you were to approach, let's take Equigroup for example, but you can apply this to your own company. So um, somebody could put a, a working capital loan into Equigroup supported by guarantees. Okay, that's one option. That's fixed interest loan note. They could put in... Uh, if somebody wanted to create multiple levels of return, they could do an earn and learn. So they put money in with a, uh, a fixed interest loan note and they can have equimentorship there, either SaaS version or non-SaaS. So quite often SaaS trustees do that on an earn and learn basis. You could possibly invest in, from an equity perspective, in, in one of our developments uh, on a, a 50-50 profit share basis. So we've got debt, we've got equity, we've also got different levels of return in terms of return on intellect and return on um, yeah, many many other returns there. Um, so it's just finding out what they want. So again, if you go and tell people what you've got to offer, you know, you, you were born with two ears and one mouth for a reason, you know, it's to, it's to listen, to ask open questions uh, and understand what great looks like to them. That was a... Uh, a phrase I've heard so many times from from Nigel. You know, what does what does great look like to you? And then be quiet, and then listen. And I mean, really listen. You ever been in a conversation where there's no pause, no pause at all? Comes quite uncomfortable, doesn't it? Mm. But thinking and absorbing. If you say something. And I immediately respond. Then quite often, I'm, I'm, I'm not listening to you. I'm just thinking about the next thing I want to say. And in, investors or you know, people get this, and, it, and it's quite disrespectful. And, and respect, um, you know, you'll have heard Nigel mention this uh, a few times before, and I know it's you know, right at the heart of, of his moral compass, um, you know, it's it's that personal respect. It, it's everything, Nigel, isn't it? It is. It is absolutely. And you know, and when you're, I mean, essentially, what we're doing, we're building a team here, Mark, aren't we? You know, these are people that we're hopefully going to have a, a great relationship with for many years to come. And you know, and it's really important and almost like a, you know, a challenge for us as we as we're bringing private investors on board. You know, the same with our mentees, the same with our project teams. You know, it's massively important and a a huge element of responsibility, I think. And this comes back from our corporate world, to be honest. And, you know, we've done some great things in the world and, you know, in terms of building fantastic teams. And those teams have delivered incredible projects. 
but it's it's been about the chemistry you know how they fit how they work together how how that level of respect is there amongst the the parties in the teams and that that has never changed has it you know from the people we bring bring in and there's a really interesting question from Sam actually on the on the chat there you know how you just kind of diplomatically say no without saying no and I think that's we've we've done that quite a few times. You know, you can there's there's ways of saying no but not having to say no. And you know, sometimes if that chemistry is not there or the fit isn't right, or just planting that person into into your environment or the environment of others, which just creates so much dis- disruption, you know, and anxiety and all that. It's just best to say no without saying no, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that could be quite quite straightforward in terms of uh, something like that. Uh, having having the power to say no doesn't mean you actually say no. Um, so uh, in, in that particular case, you could you could phrase that something along the lines of, um, "Yeah, that probably doesn't work for us on this occasion." To be honest, um, that's not what we're we're looking for. But let's keep the door open and happy to have further conversations and see if we can find some some common areas in the future. Or um, we're, we're we're fully funded. Uh, on that particular investment, yep. Yep. Um, and uh, but you know, just leaving the door open because mm. you're having a conversation with with that person. That person might say, "Okay, I understand now what you're looking for. I've got a good friend who I could introduce you to. Actually, one of one of our largest investors, high net worth individual, no interest of Facebook or LinkedIn, not even not even on there. And you'll find most high net worths." They're not on Facebook or LinkedIn. I don't really care about that. They're busy living their lives, not not trying to live somebody else's lives out there. Um, uh, he was introduced by uh, by somebody by by another investor. Um, so you know, there's a good example. And I'm going to leave you one one other tip before we just go into the last couple of questions. Um, it's really important to to understand um, the background of your investors. The reason why they've possibly got a few quid to invest is they've been reasonably successful in what they do in all quarters of life. And to me, that's fascinating. You know, I love business, uh, love speaking to people who have been successful. And your investors can be a great source of wisdom and counsel. That's their opinion on things. You know, that, that's an untapped resource. Um, the reason why our document suites, contract suites, and investment process is where it is, is not in a small part down to the feedback we get from our investors. So work with them. And the next time they get an investment memorandum and they say, page seven, Mark, um, we talked about that last time, didn't we? And I'll say, yeah, I really appreciate the feedback, John. That was, that was excellent. And we've, we've adapted the model because we thought it was such a great idea. And all of a sudden, it's, it's part of their scheme now. You know, it's great feedback. Anyway, so, um, yes, so have got a couple of questions here then. So hopefully that answers your question, Sam. Um, there's a question here from Ash. Uh, morning, Ash. Isn't buy-to-let residential not allowed for loan backs, third parties? JV Capital Investment, just starting with buy-to-let. Okay, so we're into quite a specific SaaS question. 
um, which I cover off in the in the book actually. Um, but we're talking about private capital here. It's a good point. You know, there are different sources of private capital. Could be from limited company retained profits. Could be from high net worth individuals. Uh, could be from SaaS. Um, you know, there are many different areas that your capital can come from. And walking a mile in somebody else's shoes, what can they invest in? What can't they? Is is hugely important. Making sure that compliance and governance is there. There is no point going to a um, uh, a SaaS trustee and saying, "There we go. I would like to raise fifty thousand pounds, and you can have a first charge on that residential property." And that's it. You can't you can't do that. You know that's not a product that they can ultimately in, invest in. Now, there can be a structure that can enable that, but that's got to be structured slightly differently to what I've said. A few tweaks to that and something could be, could be achieved. Um, so so that's, uh, that's really important. Um, so let me just share with you, let's see if we can get this, tried to share it earlier on. Let's share our Earn and Learn program. Um, now, this is very specifically for SaaS trustees. Um, for, for specifics of SaaS trustees, um, you've asked us to create this program, and it's about property and SaaS. So this is SaaS compliant, where if somebody wanted to, to loan some funds in at a fixed interest rate, and then they become part of our mentorship program for SaaS trustees. So if you're interested in how to acquire commercial property, uh, how to become that confident, knowledgeable, and compliant trustee. Uh, I want to spend time personally with, with Nigel and myself. That's what this is about. If you're looking to unlock a portfolio of commercial to residential or supported living, land uh, options, HMOs, vitalettes, commercial, all these areas, you know, we go through that, that mastering of the due diligence, how to structure the funding, and if there's one skill that we've we've learned over the last 30 years is how to structure businesses, investments, and deals, it is probably the single most important um, important skill that, that you can learn. So our Equa Earn and Learn program, it is compliant for SaaS trustees. We have monthly mastermind sessions. Um, you get a copy of the Equa DA, so all the SaaS elements there, all, all uh, built in. You get one-to-one sessions with myself and, and Nigel, strategy plan, monthly check-ins uh, and training and also quarterly strategy calls. And you get a copy of the um, the 20 module uh, SaaS Commercial Property Investment Masterclass, we'll give you that. Um, got access to the Equa portal as well and site tours, trusted partners, and it's for an 18 month period. So we're just about to launch this. We've not launched this in mainstream, so this is specific for for you, your your regular uh, listeners here. So if you're interested in loaning something from your SaaS into our business, um, the the loan would be secured and backed by, by property, and there'll be a fixed rate of interest at 10% um, for uh, for 18 months, then all you need to do is just drop us a line. You can take a take take a screenshot here, or if you just book a call here, um, you see that QR code, hold your phone against that, and you'll go straight to an earn and learn call. 
and that will be a 30-minute call with me, and we can have a chat, get to know each other, and uh, see where we go from there. Um, it may be right for you. But that's something you've specifically asked us, uh, particularly for something that is, is SaaS compliant. So there we go. Hold your phone against the QR code um, and have half an hour with, with me, see if that's right for you. So, Nigel, we have overrun. We have overrun. I can't believe it. We're normally bang on time, but uh, five extra minutes there. So we got through two of the promise model, the, the P and the R. So um, we'll probably be a little bit more punchy uh, next week, um, and we'll go into the, uh, the remainder of those, uh, those parts. So another busy week, hasn't it? Another yeah. busy week ahead. Yes, yeah, so we mentorship call next as well. So we've... Uh, Got another couple of hours with the, the mentees, which is great. Um, uh, guest speaker, um, oh, commercial property broker. So really good, top draw guy. Um, you know, he's working with us extensively and, you know, lovely to share the knowledge and hear the, the state of the, the nation, as it were, from him. So he's, he's got a special guest speaker um, slot, uh, which is good at quarter past nine. So looking forward to that and also uh, meeting and greeting uh, all the new mentees. Um, I think the the October intake's nearly full, isn't it? Yep, closing that at the end of this yep. week. Um, so if you've not uh, either had a call, um, uh, just just drop us a note. But that will be closing uh, on Sunday night. Um, and uh, but yes, Earn and Learn uh, will be open. So uh, we've got two two options there for the next few days. Good. Well, Brilliant. have a wonderful week, everybody. And Nigel. Time for turn the bike around, have a quick cup of tea, and at nine o'clock with our wonderful mentees. Right, fantastic. See you in a bit. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equaacademy.co.uk and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.